And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're coming to you from Sweet 66 in the uh, confines of the old, uh, what is this called now, the uh, PP&G Paints Arena. Used to be Console Energy Center across the street from the Igloo. Uh, Sweet 66, right across from the Penguins locker room uh, in the bowels of this awesome arena. Uh, This is where the high-enders get to uh, watch games and come and enjoy a drink and some some food. And I'm happy to be joined on Straight from the Source with Michael Russo with Tony DaCosta, the longtime uh, wild equipment manager, and Rick Brownwell. They call him Tricky. Uh, yes. from Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get right to it. <laughs> uh, Where do you hold the mic at? Do you hold it this close? Or do you, how's that? Howard Stern. So we got one mic. They're going to both share it. So it's going to be pretty interesting here. Um, and I've long wanted these guys on. And Matt Benz is the third member of the longtime crew here. Uh, Tricky came to you guys from the San Jose Sharks. Uh, how well did you know Tricky before you hired him? I know Tricky pretty well because he worked for our farm team in Houston for five years uh-huh. before that. And then late one year he called and he goes, I'm going, to, I'm going to San Jose. I said, all right. And he went over to San Jose, did an awesome job. And we had an opening here. It was a slam dunk to try and get him back. So, And, uh, and Tricky, I mean, you are known for your sense of humor. Sometimes. It all depends. It's not good and it's not really bad. It's like right down the middle. So, but I mean, uh, I, I, I don't. Would I be known for my sense of humor? You don't think I'm funny, do you? You just have to know your audience more often, I think. But you're very funny. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, know <laughs> I mean, your audience. It, it what is, is the audience on this, it Mike? Is pre- yeah, it is pretty funny. I mean, the comic relief, though, that, that trainers bring in that locker room. I mean, you know, I don't think that a lot of people understand, like, how how 
how you guys are part of the team. And, and sometimes, especially in the dog days of a season, especially probably right now where things are a little tense going into the Penguins game, it's important to have people like you that are confidants with these guys. Well, as Ricky knows, like, I love the pranks, and I like to dish it out, and I'm part of the pranks getting back at me some days. But you try and keep it loose. I mean, we're at work more than we're at home during the season, and you try and have fun, and there's no better place, and the guys are great. And, you know, sometimes I try and bring Ricky in on it, but uh, usually they leave me alone on my island because the, re- <laughs> the retribution isn't fun. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's just the way, it's the way it is. Now so we get phone calls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like right now. You yeah. want to put it on the... <laughs> All right. Well, I guess it's just Rick Brownwell now. Tony uh, had a big breakfast. Like, there, there, there's a good uh, just to let everybody know what happened is uh, the podcast just got interrupted by a call from uh, Billy Guerin. So maybe we'll get the first scoop here from uh, from Tony when he comes. Yes. Back. Excellent. Um, you know, uh, now that we actually uh, are alone, Rick, yes. you were the only one I really wanted on anyway. Um, <laughs> tell me about your time in San Jose because it's funny. I just did this thing with the uh, players, uh, like an, uh, like a poll of, like, if you could have beer with one player on another team, yeah. who would it be? And the big one was Joe Thornton. Yeah. Like, everybody in that room is like, oh, I wish I could just sit down and just just uh, find out all Joe Thornton's stories and things like that. Um, what was it like working with him? It, it was It was awesome. To be – well, that was the first NHL team I ever worked for, so I went from Houston to there. And to have him kind of – I mean, he kind of takes you under your wing. Anybody that's young or anything like that, he kind of takes you and brings you along with him, and you're going along for the ride. And there's a lot of stories that uh, that you can't really tell, but as far as presence he brings mm-hmm. is, is, is second to none. And you know what I mean? And when we were in Vail – uh, his brother John came oh, biking down the mountain uh, yeah. to, in Eagle, Colorado, to to see you. Just to say hi to yeah. me and Staylock too. I think is yep. what he was wanting to go down. Yeah, he had his backpack of water on there and all that other good kind of stuff. But yeah, he's, he, he's I a can true see, hippie. Yeah, I can see where guys are would want would want to have a beer with him for sure. Right, Jumbo's one of a kind. Right. I mean, you did you have him in the World Championships or what was that? I did in two thousand one. We had uh, World Championships in Germany, and good Jumbo story was. He was pretty funny. He was, we had 13 first-rounders. He was the first pick overall. And when he came, I go, I've never heard of you before. Like, <laughs> and he was first pick, so he kind of got a kick. Every time I said, put your jersey on, I don't even know who you are. And he, we kind of got chuckles. He's a pretty loose guy. He's funny. And that is, like, I mean, that's the one thing, the dryness of the relationship between players and equipment guys. It is, it's funny in the locker room. I mean, you, you give them shit. I mean, and it's vice versa. Well, par- part of that, I believe, and I think Tony can attest to this too, is you bring the work ethic to the table. And everybody can do the work. It, it's what the the presence you bring in the room, who you right. are, what you do. If you do it well and you're well liked by the guys, as far as like I'm not even saying well liked, but just you know trusted. Like we're, we're that yeah. guy. We're the ones that are, as far as management goes, we're the closest with them. And and, and it is funny because I was just thinking as I was walking in here, uh, not to bring up bad stories, but this is this building has not been kind to the wild, and it's been the site of many a team meeting. And I was thinking about this coming in here is that a lot of times you guys get roped into these team meetings, right? I mean, there's, there's a team meeting after a game in a locker room. Are you like, do you just try to be a fly on the wall? Like what's that, what's that like Tony to kind of all of a sudden be in the middle of uh, some angry meeting like we, that we had in Montreal or this season or even the other night in Minnesota? Yeah, definitely. If you see it coming, you try and get out of the room, but <laughs> 99% of the time you're stuck in the room because it kind of happens quick and you, you try and hide and, but we're listening because we, we live it every day, too, and we want to see what they're seeing because we see things. We're obviously not coaches, but we know, that, you know what's going on most times. And it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of the stuff you hear you never repeat, and that's, 
the trust that we have with the players. They're not saying you guys get out, but we're in there, you know, in the heat of the moment. So yeah, um, have there ever been those times where all of a sudden you just kind of wind up in that awkward spot in the middle of the room, in the middle of a, in the middle of a Miko meltdown or something? Definitely. And even when if the coach comes in sometimes after the game, you're just in there. So you sit down and just kind of lay low. And, yeah. you know, they're never telling us to get out because we are part of the team. You know, there's definitely closed door meetings where it's pre-set that we don't go in. But most times, yeah, when you're stuck in it, you just sit down and don't say a word. You learn the Homer Simpson back into a hedge <laughs> meme pretty quick. <laughs> um, that's got to be um, some of the coolest thing. And I do, I mean, one, two reasons why I wanted, or one big reason why I wanted both of you guys on is that the Wild were just awarded the Winter Classic. And you have had a stadium series game, but the, the timing of this Winter Classic in the, in the, in the middle of... Uh, Wait, we got the Winter Classic? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I didn't tell you. What? <laughs> you see, I got to get you a subscription to The Athletic. You would have known that. Um, but it, January 1st, a little different than Stadium Series game. But but um, the, the other thing, I mean, have you ever thought of, like, uh, writing a book with some of the things that you've seen here at ice level? Like, it, I mean, it's got to be ca- kind of the coolest part of the job is actually being at ice level, seeing the, the you know, these guys in the trenches night in and night out. I always joke if I ever wrote a book, I'd have to move out of the country. Yeah. I wouldn't have many friends left. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's definitely interesting to people. We live it every day, so... We don't think about it when we're in it every day because it's, it's normal day for us. Right. But when you have the odd kid ask you, like, questions sometimes, you run into people, then you realize, like, we are lucky and we get to see all this stuff and we take it for granted. Like, I've been around this since I was 13 years old, so it's all I know and I've seen the generations change and the way the game has changed, but it's definitely awesome being around. And Yeah, it's something that I think every – and it, you become numb to it after a while, but I remember my first couple of years – in San Jose and I'm going to like Edmonton old Rexall place and I'm kind of standing there and it makes you kind of emotional I'm not trying to cry here (laughs) (laughs) but you know no you do take it for granted but you try not to as well like that's something you do is like we're in the NHL there's no you know there's 31 teams soon to be 32 which means there's 31 of Tony and there's 31 of me in the world and I think we're fortunate, obviously, and I think we do take full responsibility for that, too, because it's a great, you know, right. to, be, to have that on you as we're, well. We're talking with Tony DaCosta and, and Rick Bronwell, two of the Wild Equipment guys, and you just mentioned Edmonton. I mean, part of the job that you guys have is weird hours, cold climates, this, the unglamour. I mean, you know, it's cool. You know, you see Tony all tan on the bench with his, with his foot up, but you don't see the unglamorous at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., pulling gear off the plane and, and, uh, get, and, and you guys going to the rink while all these guys are going to hotels. I mean, that has to be the hardest part of the job is in the frigid temperatures like Edmonton and Calgary in the middle of the night putting gear in the plane and things like that. First of all, it's sunny in Woodbury year-round. <laughs> Let's get that straight. So this is a real town. <laughs> but, no, it's, you know, that's definitely part of the job that, you know, in baseball, the baseball teams land in cities, and they go to the hotel, the equipment managers, and their room guys do it. I wow. would never sleep, or I know Ricky would never sleep. If I'm going to bed thinking, I hope that everything is, is in the guy's bag or unpacked to be dry. So we take pride in that's our job, and, you know, we have a pretty good system. Mm-hmm. By the time we land, like, we could be, I could be home in one hour. Mm-hmm. We have six guys that go do it, and we have a system where it's smooth. It, does it suck? You lack sleep? Yeah, but that's what we have our summers for recharge. We don't ever complain about it. Mm-hmm. It's part of the job, and it's a big part of the job, so we all take it on. And one, of, one of the toughest had to be last season, that back-to-back at Calgary home Nashville, because I bet you guys landed 3, 4 a.m., and you have a game the next night. you got to do the laundry. Um, was, it, was that one of the harder turnarounds that you've had in your career? It was definitely tough, but I think for us – 
those days you're not going to have a morning skate. Mm -hmm. So the laundry gets done. We have two sets of laundry, so it's not like it has to be done the next day. We're not wearing those game sweaters the mm -hmm. next day. We have Lance who stays at home, so he usually takes care of that stuff. We're not staying after we land to get the laundry done. And then I think that, you know, not having a morning skate, you don't have to be at the rink right at 7 in the morning like right. you normally are. So it's a little relief. And, and you're home there too. I think the hardest, and I think you could say the same thing, trip back-to-back -back is Vancouver-Edmonton. Mm -hmm. That is by far, it's a two-hour flight. You lose an hour. You're, you're in a hotel room. When you get to the hotel room at what time? That happened to us two years ago, and I think last year. I, I just remember it being like shot mm -hmm. the next day in Edmonton and thinking, man, it's only 2 o'clock in the afternoon right now, and we just had a couple guys go on the ice. But I would say for me that Vancouver-Edmonton, if you get them back-to-back, -back, it's – that's no bueno. You lose an hour, then you have an hour bus ride or truck Oh, my. I forgot about the hour truck ride from the airport. Right, yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, <laughs> uh, that is uh, yeah, that, is, that would be a tough back-to-back. -back. Um, Winter Classic, uh, you guys had the stadium series, but it was in uh, mid-February, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was actually John Torchetti's quote-unquote home debut. Um, but And it was in the 30s, you know, a little snow. Um, this one, who knows what the weather could be on January 1st in, in, Min in Minnesota. Um, does it change the way that you guys will prepare for this game? I don't think it does because it ended up being a great day for an outdoor game. We didn't know what it was mm -hmm. going to be, so we prepared for both, all the extremes that could happen. So it ended up being a great day, and guys just wore regular stuff under their gear. But we had the Minnesota Vikings trainer help us out and the Green Bay Packers trainer helped out um, Chicago and they brought all their heat gear. They're professionals and mm -hmm. they're the best in the business of playing under those conditions, especially when you think of uh, Green Bay and Red Batty's a legend and uh, he came in and they really helped us a lot. So we were prepared. So it'll be the similar. I'm going to reach out to them again this time and see if they're interested in helping us. If they are, mm -hmm. they, they get us all the stuff. Any weather condition will be covered for us. So. Because you know it's going to be negative five. Yeah. <laughs> Or the work the bench that game. Ricky's going to take my spot. I'm the head guy for that day. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I always, I always joke, Tony is the guy. We never see him in training camp. It's like <laughs> we don't – very rarely. Or at practice. And the guys always say you're too good for practice. I said, no, i got to watch you guys play the games. I don't want to watch you practice too. <laughs> two nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is uh, – like what, what were some of the different things that you would use for an outdoor game that obviously these guys don't use on a regular hockey rink in terms of uh, stuff to keep warm? It's all these different products. Every company has it. You have Nike, Under mm -hmm. Armour. They have heat gear that keeps your body warm, but you're not really wearing a heavy, you're not wearing a big, heavy sweater. Right. You know, you might wear um, a different, some guys are wearing two pair of socks. Mm -hmm. You know, you just adjust, like, no one's putting, like, warmers in their gloves, and they're all trying to keep it as, they want to feel the same as they play in a normal game. And once you get rolling, the benches are pretty hot. Players aren't, you know, we're sitting there or standing there. Yeah, we're, or if you're a fan watching, you're going to get cold. Players are moving. They're yeah. professional athletes. They're warmed up before they get on the ice. Their body's already at a different temperature than doesn't, – it doesn't really affect them. What do you think? No, it's the same. I agree with you, everything you said. Like, the NHL does a really good job, and they've got it down to a T. And it's their uh, – the benches are heated, so they're hollow plastic, and they got these two huge, like, space heaters heating them to the point where you had to turn it down. Like, in our game, we had to turn it down in the stadium series because it was too hot. Right. But – but, like, I, I think on the bench is the warmest place in that whole building. If it's – if we're below freezing, for sure, that's the place to go. Plus, the guys – I think the biggest thing for a, for a winter classic game or an outdoor game, for that matter, is the eye black is huge. Like, right. it, it helps. You just hope – I know the league hopes for no sun, and we kind of hope for no sun, too, because then you're not getting it in your eyes. But, yeah, it's uh, – it'll be – 
it'll be it'll be fun that and skate guards because it's always a little bit of a long walk to the bench right. as well too because guys blow edge will right. get a, hit something on the way out there. yeah it's uh nobody wears the cool 180s over their ears during the game right no, yeah that i wear guys, some guys did try they would have wore a toque if they had to mm-hmm. you know they would probably stick it under their helmet if they really had to but we never saw that with the weather we had but um i think the difference too with this stadium is i think our room will be a lot closer to the ice right so the walk won't be as far and no, because it's you. The football stadium was pretty big. Right, there's a long way to the benches. Now, um, you know, we always see uh, whether it's Ricky grabbing a stick if a guy breaks it or throwing it, or or you know, Benzie or somebody running back and forth to the locker room. Do you have to bring more gear out to the bench for a game like this uh, because it's not as accessible to get to the locker room? No, because we'll probably wire and just have the glove dryers. Usually, you see Benzie mm-hmm. running with the gloves, and you know, certain times like Miko's at the two timeouts, he changes his gloves. Some guy, we have one other guy that's whenever he feels like it. So we would just have him at the bench, and we'll probably have portable glove dryers plugged in right there. So they'll be actually a lot closer than normal. Right. So um, It's funny. I was just listening to Mike Tomlin talk about your glove dryer uh, that you have in there, and he said the same company makes the cleat dryers that they have for football players. That I, I, You never think of that, that these guys take off their cleats the way that hockey players take off their gloves uh, between you know, at halftime and things like that. I know that Blade Master did that. I didn't. I didn't know that either. It yeah. actually makes sense. They could actually have another market there too. That yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, by the way, you are again listening to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. If you haven't subscribed to the Athletic, theAthletic.com/slash Straight from the Source will get you in for forty percent off. We have uh, unbelievable stories throughout 40%. our site. Yeah, forty percent, two ninety nine a month. Dude, hold on, Tony. I'm going to go. Give me your passcode. <laughs> yeah. um, Give us your passcode for crying out loud. Um, and we have the other thing that's cool, as you could tell because you're listening, is we have podcasts galore. The Penguins one, if you're uh, listening to this one before tonight's Minnesota Penguins game. Uh, Pen Ultimate with Sean Gentile, Rob Rossi, and Josh Yo. The Pittsburgh, they cover the Pittsburgh Penguins for us here at The Athletic. We're talking with Tony DeCosta, the Wilds' longtime equipment manager, just celebrated his 2,000th game uh, this season uh, in Buffalo, right? Um, and uh, and uh, Rick Bronwell, who did you just uh, celebrated last year a milestone, right? Well, I, uh, three years ago, I did fifteen hundred okay. wow. pro 15. games, not NHL. Yeah. He's at he's two thousand NHL and fifteen hundred yeah. pro. Which, by the way, you say what the pro games counts as two, right? Like minor league games. Yes, of course. Okay, so I'm at about 16,000. <laughs> 16,000? Yeah. No. Uh, no. You mentioned, uh, I don't think people, like the one cool thing I like to do with this podcast, I just had Matt Make on, I like to ask how people got to where they are, and you said uh, before, I mean, you started at 13 years old in this business. Can you kind of give people a quick story of how you got into this line of business? Sure. I, in Winnipeg, that's where I'm from, Winnipeg, Manitoba. And, uh, Winnipeg, Beautiful place. Yes, yeah, awesome. you got to go there for a huh? <laughs> no, but anyways, it's uh, the, the practice used to be open to the public, so I lived probably an hour away, and a buddy of mine, we used to take the bus down for the open practice. And Pat O'Neill, who's now the head equipment manager in Vancouver, has been there for 28 years, I think. Um, he was in Winnipeg as the assistant, and we just got talking to him. He was nice, and, you know, we talked to him every practice, and eventually we're helping fill up water bottles. Then we're sitting on the bench for practice. Then we're getting access to the room. Then I'm calling him and saying, hey, when does Boston get in? He goes, oh, they get in at 4 o'clock. On Friday, I go, can we come help? Can we come carry some bags? And he goes, well, you can come carry them all. So we take a bus for an hour, come unpack the bags. And the next day, we knew we were carp launch in their room. So we'd spend the whole weekend at the Winnipeg Arena, sleep there for a Friday, Sunday match, get to know people. And then it's not a, really a job you go to school. Uh, you know, people joke that I came in the back door. I never worked junior, never worked minor leagues. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate. I was lucky. I don't ever take it for granted. But it's something that I feel obviously blessed to be able to make a living of this. I obviously wanted to be a player. Obviously, I wasn't good enough to be a player in the NHL, 
But, um, you know, just one thing led to another. Started working the room, then I was driving the truck, then I was the assistant, and then just kept moving up, and that's how it works, you know. And so. ultimately wound up in Phoenix. Ended up in Phoenix when yeah. the Jets moved, and even the Minnesota job, I wasn't, I applied for it because I'm from Winnipeg, my wife's from Winnipeg. I go, I got to at least apply for this. And then when they offered me the job, I really didn't, wasn't even sure I really wanted to leave Phoenix. Like, yeah. I went from Winnipeg to Phoenix. Like, I was, like, retired. And then I moved back to the cold, but it's the best thing ever. I love it, Minnesota. Family loves it, and it's been great. It's funny. I, I saw you talking to Matt Kachuk after the game the other night, and I was thinking about, you know, this is my 25th season, so I've seen, like, you know, from Sam Gagne to, to Tyson Berry to uh, Adam Lowry when these guys were little kids, uh, Gord Murphy's kid um, as well, Connor. Um, I mean, I got to think that you knew Matt Kachuk when he was, like, a little, little kid, right? Well, it's a funny story with Matthew. Obviously, his father and I are really good friends. And uh, we're in Phoenix one year. It was all-star break. And my wife and I weren't going anywhere. And Keith and Chantel, to Chuck, his parents asked, Would you, can you babysit Matthew? I said, sure. And I told you, I'm not changing any diapers. So we babysat him when he was just a year old. And that was pretty good birth control there. I didn't want kids after that. <laughs> you know, we have two. But I'm just joking. But, uh, yeah, so we, you know, it's kind of cool seeing Dave Manson's son, Josh, running around the room, Jake DeBrusque. There's a pile of guys that you see, and it's cool seeing them, and they're great kids, and uh, it's, it's kind of neat. You had their dad, and then I haven't really had a player yet that I've had their son, but obviously I keep in touch with them around the league when they are around. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny because I was t- I, when, Len, when Tyson Berry scored against the Wild a couple of weeks ago in that game, it's like, you know, all of a sudden I had this memory. It's like I, I, back in the day I watched this TSN Trade Center show. We, we essentially had to – I had a buddy on the – I don't want to say who it is – on the Panthers that had the – you know, essentially – uh, steal the Canadian dish and so we were able to watch the Canadian trade deadlines shows on TSN down in South Florida Which and are so the best yeah. and Len Berry and Mike Sillinger two of the players for the Panthers at the time came over to this guy's house to watch it and I came to watch because I'm covering the deadline and so little Tyson Berry is running around like seven eight years old as we're watch- sitting on the couch watching watching Trade Center it was pretty funny and here you watching him the other night score against uh, you guys so yeah the um, let me ask you. I got a ton of questions for you guys. Uh, first one is, made me laugh out loud when I read it. It's from uh, Brian Hansen. Uh, Tony, are shoulder pads more flammable than shin guards? It's a good question, but I'm still going to counseling. I'll ask, I'll ask my counselor that next session. But uh, Mike, you seem to always bring this up. When is ten this year anniversary end? this year? You said no fire questions too. He said that, <laughs> or I wasn't coming. So this is this is over. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know what? I feel that after ten years, we should let it go. <laughs> and uh, I've totally rehabbed, and uh, I do think everybody should go through it. So if you feel like it, light your team's equipment or equipment truck on fire and see how you do. <laughs> uh, if if you don't know what uh, we're talking about, nine year, uh, ten years ago. Here 2009, December. I have the anniversary set in my phone every year to bright and early send Tony. You get up Tony. early that morning, too. You're like, I don't even need coffee today. Yeah. Uh, but that's the year. Um, uh, it was crazy. It was a Montreal, Ottawa uh, uh, road trip, and the team bus to to Ottawa. And I had, like, remember the swine flu or something was going through the team? Like, you guys not only had this fire, but you played short the next night because so many guys were sick. But I was stuck in Montreal, and I'm, like, looking at Twitter, and next thing I know, the Wilds equipment truck has exploded over in um, in uh, Ottawa. And if you haven't read the story, I did the an oral history of the story. Tony was really excited when I when I pitched this story to him last season. So if you go to early last January, um, if you don't, if you're a new subscriber to the Athletic, I would definitely read that. But it had to be. It, it was a hero. I mean, I joke about it with you, but at the time, it just had to be the worst experience ever, Tony. 
You know, it definitely was. I think that the scary part was the night before we drove the equipment from Montreal to Ottawa. Yeah. And all I could, I couldn't get in my mind that if that truck, we would have been on the highway and the truck was on fire, that truck would have blown up. Yeah. So that's in your head. Thank God we only had a five minute drive across the parking lot to Ottawa's practice rink. And we pulled in the building and we saw the smoke coming out. And obviously the rest is history. The truck is on fire. But it just shows you that the NHL does not want to cancel games yeah. because we never, like, there's no reason we should have played that game. And uh, they made us play it. And guys are playing with brand new skates, brand new, some guys, everything, brand new equipment, backstrom old pads. And, you know, you could, if those two points would have mattered, that's my whole thing is that could have cost us a season, that fire. You know what yeah. I mean? But it was something that I like to forget about, but Mike keeps bringing it up. So hopefully this will put it to rest. Yeah. Rick, Rick at this point feels like he still worked for the organization. I brought it up. Some yeah, time. I remember when I, where I was. I was in the stick room in San Jose at the practice rink when we heard about it. It was like 1030 in the morning Pacific time. And just makes you sick to your stomach to think that that's what you have to deal with. And you're thinking, there's no way they're playing that game. And sure enough, next night you guys are on TV. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was just crazy. Well, the support was awesome, though, from the companies. Like, even colleagues around the league, everybody calling. If anything they could do, let me know. If we even sent something. Like, we had such so many people calling. It was awesome. But there was really nothing you could do. Yeah. Like, you know, we had basically 24 hours to get gear put together. Thank God we had practice gear back in mini. Brent Proof flew back and came back in a charter play. And they were like rock stars, three of them on a big playing and with yeah. all this gear and we it was it was pretty special that we got it out there and it, it happened but not something you want to go through. that's what the testament is here is the fact that you guys pulled it off yeah it really is unbelievable i really uh, highly recommend reading the story because it is i mean it, there were so many people that didn't know every detail about it until i wrote that story and i really appreciate you letting me in as much as i'm sure you didn't want to uh to, to f- figure out how to can you how swear that on this podcast <laughs> you can it's the athletic um ton of questions uh and obviously we're probably not gonna be able to get to everyone but there's so many i mean that's the amazing thing about minnesota hockey fans is they see everything with equipment uh it's like i'll be watching a game and i don't see anything next thing i know i'll get 15 tweets why did parisi change his blades why did he do this what you know it's just crazy so um you know everybody in minnesota loves to play hockey and and uh they have a lot of questions for you guys um ryan asks uh, did the trainers ever suggest advice to players if they think they're using the wrong equipment like the wrong flex of a stick or wrong lie of a blade i wouldn't say they they ask us or, or for us for our suggestion we, we do give them what our opinion is on something and then they can choose to take it whichever way they want to take it most of the time that's that's done a lot between them and their and our local not local but our rap like our ccm rap or the warrior rap that type of thing i mean most guys know what they want some guys don't some guys change some guys test some guys use this or use that and just see what's going on and they're pretty much i i would feel on their own i don't know if you have something to add to that i think it's player preference for sure you don't like you said where ricky said that we try and we don't give them advice but we'll we'll listen to them Mm -hmm. we're a soundboard for them but we're not going to tell them what to use you know at the end of the day you got to think why are they changing well maybe they haven't scored in 10 games things aren't going (laughs) right so you have to be open to help them if they want to change but that's on them you know i mean they're the They're the engine, you know what I mean? We yeah. Just, what was the just funny support staff? Yeah. You, you told me a story for the story I did earlier season about Nino that you knew that if he changed the stick that you would just you'd buy a batch of of those or you'd order a batch of those same sticks because you knew inevitably he would he would score that night and you'd need. I think it was Nino that you said that yeah. you did this for. Yeah, it was actually a bunch of guys. My pet yeah. peeve is when players use other player sticks because you uh-huh. know they're going to score that night with the other guy's sticks. <laughs> and I may as well before the game's over order them a dozen of them because it's happened with Sylvain Day one year. He used Pascal Dupuis stick because Jacques Lemaire told him to. He scored one off his shin pad and one off his butt. 
and I needed, and I had to order him 12 sticks the next day. He didn't even shoot the puck in the net. <laughs> you said it was Alexander Dig. Oh, yep, yep. That's funny. Um, and you do a lot of you. You also will modify Rick uh, equipment, right? I, I see a lot yes. of times you'll. Uh, you, I mean, you'll. You're kind of the wild sower too. So yeah, you'll. He's the best in the world. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm rubbing his leg right now with my right hand. Yeah. No, they. It, it, it's something that I like to do. I like to. I like it when I because mo- a lot of times players know what they want, but they don't know. Mm-hmm. They kind of go, "This is broken. Fix it." And yeah. so you have to kind of piece it together. I've built chest protectors like for Nabokov. In fact, some of our goalies here too, and. Shot blockers is another. The shot blockers on skates are guys yeah. so we give them the option if they want to wear it or not. Mm-hmm. And if they do, we have the supplies here to make them for them. Yep, yep, exactly. So it's it's definitely it, every, that, that's what makes every day different too. You know what I mean? Because we you can get in a routine in this in the job, especially like with the times of the flights and the times you're checking into the hotels and you're doing all that stuff. But that's kind of that's the f- I view that as the fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I joked that, or Tony joked that you're the best sewer in the world. There were early in my career, there were was a couple that a times joke I'd, though? I, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. real. He says real. But there were a don't couple times. Remember, I'd bring you a jacket. I'm like, hey, I need you to sew this button back on. Oh, you don't <laughs> even know how many times guys blow buttons on their pants <laughs> or they or their butt out. Yeah, because he's hockey butts. I go see Ricky. Yeah. yeah, here he is. You can get the sewing machine. Um, Nick, we're talking with Tony DaCosta and uh, Rick Brownwell. Again, this is straight from the source. Theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you 40% in. off. 40% off. Thanks, Rick. Well, um, we're going to ask you uh, to do my advertising. <laughs> um, Nicole asks, what are the benefits of taping your stick like Greenway does? Grip all the way down. See, there's one where I would never know. You know, that's player preference. And mm-hmm. I asked him when he, he already has grip on his stick. It's for feel, and it's probably adding a little more grip for him. Mm-hmm. Like, that just, he just probably started at a young age and he continues to do it. You see that around the league, and I don't think it, I don't know how much it helps him, but it, it does, it works for him. So, right. Definitely looks too, I think, play a part that whole candy yep. cane look, like just to see themselves on, not themselves, but in a picture and that type of thing. Because I remember. Well, learning hockey through a video game in Kansas City because hockey's not very hot there. Um, I'd see like a knob that looks cool or a goalie tape job on the blade or something. Right. You want to kind of emulate that. So maybe, you know, like I think I don't think Greenway does that for that reason. But, mm-hmm. you know, have you ever, by the way, seen a, a player of uh, Zuccarello's size that uses a stick that big? Somebody told me that he uses the same size stick that Bugard used. Um, I'm not sure if it's quite that big, but he definitely he uses a high long stick and. I think it benefits him, and that's why mm-hmm. he does it. And like we said, it's feel. You know, I get a question a lot of times from people, well, how do you tape the player's sticks? Well, we don't tape the player's right. sticks. They all do their own. And if a guy's in a bind and he breaks two in a period, he has nothing mm-hmm. on the rack, we'll definitely help out. But that's all. That's what they do when they get to the rink at 4 o'clock. They kill time. They have their routines, and they all do their own stuff. But we don't get in the way of, you know, if you look at Steph or uh, Kevin Fiala's stick, he cuts the tape off the bottom, so there's no tape on the bottom of his stick. But that's so the, the stick slides on the ice. Right. I haven't seen that very often, but that's his way of doing it. Interesting, interesting. Um, Kodiak is uh, curious about the current state of stick curves. Players still curve their own sticks, right? Uh, who does it on the wild? Um, and any funny tape jobs that you have uh, to talk about? We don't recommend curving these sticks. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're not wood blades. Right. And uh, if you put heat to them, they're going to break. Okay. We, we get the odd guy that I might use a heat gun and lightly heat it and try and tweak it. If they want to curve their pattern, usually a company will send in a mold, a molded blade that is, is curvable, and then they make the curve on that, and they send it to the factory, they make a mold. But you, can't, you shouldn't be curving these sticks with a blade, especially if your parents are paying 250 bucks a pop for them. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want to do that. It will break. 
Yeah. 100%. Um, the, uh, Brian Murray, when I was in Florida, at least he used to say, I don't know if it's true, that, uh, that Mark Brennan, who is one of my favorite equipment managers of all time, Peaches, I think he's still in the junior leagues in Portland, yeah, and uh, Scott Tinkler, who's one of the greatest dudes ever, um, and Tim Leroy, who's now the Columbus head guy, that they would get fired if, they were caught with a, if a player was caught with an illegal curve in a game. Uh, did Doug Rice ever or any Chuck have those uh, rules here? No, but... I did hear the story from Jacques Lemaire that he told his trainers in Jersey that if anybody's ever caught with an illegal stick, you'll be fired. So he never, ever told me that, but I would check the sticks, and I would try and protect myself, and I would go tell Mario Trombley, Mario, these four guys are mm-hmm. illegal. At least it's off my plate, and they would deal with it. So it was kind of – I was never warned or threatened about it, so – yeah. Do you guys um, – when I was in Florida, too, the, uh, we were in Denver once in the playoffs, and guys were having uh, their sticks – kind of basically all break during the game. And they, they essentially accused the Colorado staff of going into their room and putting little slices in the sticks. I mean, do, do you, is that the reason why you guys lock the doors and stuff like that? I mean, are there shenanigans that go on or used to go on? I think used to, you'd have more of that. Mm-hmm. Well, the perfect story is um, Bob Hartley one time had asked Tamo Slani for a stick. And that night he called him for an illegal yeah. stick. I mean, that's... And Bob was the coach, by the Bob way. Bob Harley was Colorado. So that's kind of below the belt. Like, here you got yep. a player. We, we got to the point when there was wood sticks and you knew they were illegal. If a guy broke a stick during the game, that's going in our stick bag with us after the game. <laughs> we would not leave it in the city because, you know, you go in rooms now and there's sticks from last game yep. that are broken. And, and guys are looking at them on patterns. There's not really an illegal stick anymore. Mm-hmm. I think if you wanted to call an illegal stick, you'd probably go for width of the blade. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get them on curve anymore. But you would get there's guys you would get on width of the blade for sure. Right. Yeah. We were talking with Tony DeCosta and Rick Bronwell. Um, Danny Sussman asked something that you brought up uh, before. Uh, I've, I've noticed that Miko changes his gloves mid- midway through each period. Why? Prima don. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> because he can. Yeah. Because he's Miko Koivu crying out loud. Yeah. Just, just, it's, you talk about routine and how yeah. guys – it's not a superstition. I think he likes his gloves dry. Yeah. He must sweat a lot, I guess. He's playing too many minutes. I'll talk to Bruce about that. <laughs> but, no, it's every, uh, every time out he changes his gloves. Yeah, it's yeah. no rhyme or reason. We don't ask because he won't tell us anyway. Yeah. So. I asked him about his uh, – sorry, Rick. No, what were no, no I was I, just going to say, add in, we, we have the gloves. Uh, you guys did a good system with one, two, and three on them too, so we can know <laughs> what it is. And, he, and if you watch him, he'll check and make sure that he yeah. has – because there's been times where he'll get a two and a three together, and he's like, no, 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 yeah, unga bunga. <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> um, uh, you, you, we also uh, the always thing that I'm fascinated by that he will not discuss with me is the knob of his stick and the huge tape job that he does there. Is it, I mean that's got to be for grip on faceoffs or what is it? He's got big hands, but I think it's a, it's terrible. I tried it one day when I was out skating. I, I took half of it off. Like even other players, you see, I saw one guy for um, Vegas. Um, what's the guy's name they got from? Uh, Florida or no Ottawa at the deadline. Oh, uh, Mark Stone. Mark Stone. Yep. He has as big as Miko's, but it's not as long. Mm-hmm. That's just player preference. The same thing. You have some yeah. guys who put nothing on there or very little. Yeah. You have to have something on there yeah. by the rules. But um, Miko, there's no real rhyme or reason. Yeah, it's, it's for feel. He's always he'll put he'll put it on and he'll take some off and then he'll add some. Like he plays it until he feels right. Yeah, he's a fascinating human being. You have a, a really tight relationship with him, Tony. Uh, you know, how is it even – I can't even imagine how it's humanly possible to get in tight with him. He, uh, he, like, even to this day, I just know that, like, when he retires, I'll probably never speak to him again. Type Give him three pairs of gloves for a period, and <laughs> you can be his friend too. He's, but I, he's a hard guy to break through. He definitely is. But I think – well, my th- way I look at it is I have a wife at home and I have a wife at the rink. We fight or argue <laughs> the same way, and we got to make up, and we don't kiss. But 
<laughs> and uh, no, you know, Miko's an awesome guy. He's definitely, he's got his ways and he's set yeah. his ways and he's not moving off of them. And uh, he will not change anything once the season starts as much as he tries to. And you just learn to deal with different personalities. That's part of our job. And it's mm-hmm. not even just Miko. Like everybody is unique in their own way. And we learn how to get into them. And a lot of times guys come at my office at Ricky's and we're a soundboard. Like these guys come to us and we're not paid enough money to be counselors. Yeah. But you have to have an open mind. And what yeah. stays in that room is between. I think I've built his trust with Miko yeah. and other players over the years. And, you, you know, you, I wouldn't say it a rat. Like you don't go run and tell the coach when right. he's mad at the coach. And I don't tell him what the coach is saying. Mm-hmm. You just listen. And sometimes that's all they have to do is they trust you. They want to get it off. And Ricky has the same relationships. And Maddie has probably guys that go to him. And just the way it is. But Miko and I, have, he's been here a long time. But Ricky started all this stuff with the gloves. Oh, it's my fault. You had him in Houston. You're the first one who <laughs> babied him. I told him one <laughs> pair of gloves all year. And you're giving him three a game. I was in Houston. He had one pair of gloves. And he couldn't even speak English. You haven't taught him any English in a thousand games. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing to say to that, dude. He's not teachable. Yeah. Good point. Uh, that is, he is definitely he's the most stubborn athlete I've ever covered. Still have a ton of questions. Uh, but I, I, I want to just r- run through a couple of them. Um, you know, this person, uh, Brian asked, um, I heard Pavel Dimitri sharpen his skates like twice a year. He also used a wooden stick, if I remember. Um, is that true? That's tr- yeah, that's true. Yeah. It wasn't twice a year. It was probably, I, I would look at him, and I, when he first came here, I would just sharpen him for every game like everybody else. And he goes, don't touch my skates. And I said, okay. And then I'd look at him and I'd go, these look awful. You can't even stand up on these. And then, uh, so we started probably doing them every two weeks. And that was, but he didn't really stop and start too good. You know, he liked to. He didn't need an edge. He didn't work that hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, it is – these guys with their equipment, I mean, they're like – you know, Doobie was showing me – like, his, we were looking at his, like, underwear in, in, in uh, Denver the other day, and he's like – it's just ripped that he's worn for, like, ever. Um, you know, I remember Boogie had the same shoulder pads that he wore, wore when he was, like, in junior hockey or as a kid. Well, Doobie wears Bauer underwear, and they've discontinued that stuff. So uh-huh. we've tried finding stuff close, and nothing is close enough. So he just continues to wear them. I think it looks terrible, but yeah. no one sees it. We're worried about the outside. We would never allow that on <laughs> hockey pants or the breezers they call yeah. them in Minnesota or the gloves. Like, I think we're responsible as a staff is they got to be look good yeah. on the ice. And we try and stay up on that. And under their gear, I don't care what they wear. Yeah, like Eric Stahl wears that yellow mesh shorts that he's worn forever with, like, the Velcro on mm-hmm. it that he had custom made that he just continues to wear because it can't be made anymore. Well, right? well those, those – so with cups and garter belts and jocks and everything you say, they all – they came out with something like Eric Stahl wears a long time ago. It was a loose-fitting short that has Velcro that holds socks up back when the socks would actually stick to it and – and the cup was built into it, so you didn't have to wear shorts underneath and put on a cup and stuff. And, and Greenway wears the same thing, actually. And but that's something else that they, they still make them. They still make them from guys. Some guys wear them for a while, but I think they're back on board now mm-hmm. because they they do most of the tight ones now. A lot of guys like the compression over right. that, which Shock Doctor I think makes a ton of that yeah. stuff. How about uh, Brad Hunt and Greenway not wearing socks? I've never seen that before, and and you know it because you smell it. I've seen it. It's disgusting. I've told them to wear their wives' leotards or something, but, no, they're pretty stubborn. It's the same thing. It's yeah. just preference. And, you know, they obviously never played outside as kids because you'd learn to wear socks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Hunt says that he just can't, that it creates blisters and things like that. But it's just, I mean, his area of the locker room is a – He just got new much skates the other day too, so now the smell's yeah. kind of diminished, and which is good. And everybody talks about it in the locker room. Every player, they do not like it. Um, Dan Seberg asks, this is a good one for you, uh, Tony, uh, most used setting for a skate sharpening and who uses the sharpest and dullest settings and what are they? Um, from the beginning, when I first started, the guys were a lot flatter. Mm-hmm. Then when I, the guys used to be a lot deeper hollows. Now you pretty much have 
on average, I think most guys are five eighths and three quarters. But our deepest would be Devin Dubnik. He's at five sixteenths, which is for a goalie. If you see, he plays on the inside of his feet, so he wants to be able to push and slide from side to side. And our flattest now would be Ryan Suter and Fiala. They're at an inch and a quarter, which Ryan Suter used to be half inch last year, so he really flattened out. It's less work on your legs, and I always tell the guys with their kids, like, 5'8 is a perfect hollow for kids. They can learn to skate, learn not, it's not too much, it's not too little, and just a good hollow, but anywhere from 5'8 is our lowest one now, though. Um, Mike, Mighty Beer Hunter has a great question, and what a great Twitter uh, name. Um, he has a question about sticks. Uh, what are some of the flex scores of some of the wild players, and do players retape every period, and who's the most OCD with their twig? Uh, kind of the way West Walls used to be with his skates, I bet. Yeah, I, I definitely would say most guys tape, retape the bottom of their stick every period. Okay. Um, as far as flex goes, everything varies from 120 flex to, I mean, not on our team so much, but, I've, you know, we've seen 120 down to, I think our lowest guy's like 72, maybe Spurge is like a 75-ish. Yeah, we just Johnny Goudreau, he had a 60 in yeah. Calgary, an intermediate stick. Zucro had a 60? A 60. Well, Zuc- Matt Zucro likes to try other guys' sticks, so he'll ask guys during the game for a stick, and <laughs> he'd ask Goudreau. And then, but he'll, he does, the thing, guys think they want him for signature. He's used sticks that are signed by player. He just wants to see the curve. Wow. He's kind of crazy with the sticks. doesn't know what he wants. And, um, but Johnny Goudreau's came over. It was like a, a stick you would give your 12-year-old kid. It was a 60-flex intermediate shaft. 12-year-old kid. My daughter was 14 using a... Spurgeon 75 flex and wow. shooting the puck fine. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's Who's the most OCD? I got to think Parisi, right? Parisi and probably now we have one, his partner in crime, Zuccarello. I've added one more, so. <laughs> 100%. Um, it is, I mean, Zach is out of control with his sticks, right? I mean, it, it's like, I mean, every night you see him using a different, different uh, stick. I think Zach, when the season end, ended last year, I think he called me three days later about a six. He goes, Zach, take some time. I got to. Let's not worry about this right now, but that's just the way he is. He's always thinking. He's always trying to get better, and he shoots a lot of pucks probably on his own, and he works He works hard. You know what I mean? He's, he's always hockey. One, he's a hockey nerd in a way, really. Yeah, he is. Always yeah. trying to make better. Yeah. Got a shot at him, but it's like – but he's, he's always looking for an advantage, and feel is everything, and he's not feeling it, and that's – you know, he definitely is our – I would highest maintenance, but it's also you can't be fun being in his head either with that. Yeah. You know? Well, West used to be like that. I I'd be covering a game and writing after the game on deadline. I'll look on the ice and there's one guy skating and it's West Walls. An hour after the game is over. We think that four o'clock rule that guys can't be on the ice. I think it's after three thirty or four yeah. was made for West because he'd go on there when he got to the rink at three thirty, put a pair of shorts on and go skate around with his skates and just to feel the ice and. Yeah. So we always joke that rule is because of him. But, yeah, I've heard all those stories. I didn't know all the time, but then yeah. I heard it, and the band would be playing and after games, and Wes is out there, Wes is out there skating. Yeah, it, it was, was pretty it funny. Was crazy. Didn't he have his own skate sharpening machine at home too? He had a keg machine. He tried everything. He was going to people around town. He'd take his skates home with him every day. I think he slept with them. But <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, no, but he'll, we, we laugh about it now. It was, at the time, it was, it was a lot on me, and I was like, you know, we've, we learned to deal, work through it, and it was kind of one of those things where – but that's what he needed. Like, he, that's what he didn't feel right. And I told him, you could skate with a garbage skates and you'd be the best skater on our team or in the league. But he can tell him over and over again, but he would not believe it. Right. Because we're not him. So Yeah. Manic. Um, a couple more uh, minutes in the free version of the show, and then we'll do like 10 minutes of extra just for the athletic app. Um, but um, uh, Chris Kern asks, uh, how long does it take to usually break in skates? Uh, really no time at all nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, gone are the days of guys going through two pairs a year. 
because they can put them on. They heat them up, and I've had what Stalzy's heated them up that day for pregame skate, and then warm that night for the or game like it was nothing. Oh, you did it before the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, not much time at all. Yep. Yeah. Goalie equipment is obviously the biggest thing that takes a while, right? But even that, I've seen goalies, not so much ours, but they'll take them out of the box and use them that night. I guess Bobrovsky, who are a brand-new pair of pads, they have, like, they could have 16 pair of pads a year for them. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, dude, the other day, Doobie, just yesterday in practice, he wore his brand-new pads trying to break them in, and he forgot and packed them in his bag. And you asked him, you bringing your new ones? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. So we could have, he could have been brand-new pads tonight. Wow. We wouldn't have had a choice today, but we caught it. But so you – but our goalies, they like to break them in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh asks, uh, how many sets of equipment, skates, blades, gloves, breezers, do guys go through in an average season? Every and player's done with the old stuff. And well, every everyone is uh, every player is different. Like you have some guys like Ryan Suter's basically every ten games he's getting new skates, so he'll wear eight pair. You got you have a guy like Brad Hunt will probably wear two pair at the most this year. So we try and average four per guy, and someone might be at six, someone's at three, and you just try and get to that number, but there's no real rhyme or reason. Sometimes it's uh, factory defects, you send them back, but um, yeah, it's... It, it's crazy because like in San Jose, we had Thornton and, and Heatley, and they went through skates a lot. Right. So, I mean, Mikey there would order jumbo 12 pairs of skates at the beginning of the year, and he'd be through them in no time you know what i mean so but but it would vary because in the next year you'd only go through 10 like i think heater went through 15 one year i think i think it was it the same here with with healy yeah he was i heard all the stories but he wasn't that bad you know no he wasn't yeah sorry he wasn't bad he's one of the best but no not you know i'm saying but i don't think he was that bad with equipment maybe as later in his career he was starting to calm down sticks were kind of finicky but he would go tape five sticks for a game but he wouldn't tape sticks for – people thought yeah. he was using five every game, but then he wouldn't tape a stick for four or five games. So he's still using one a game, yeah. you know. So. Heatley's one of the best. He, he's still – He's another one that you want to have a beer with. Yeah, that's, when, that's we go to, uh, when we go to California, he still takes you guys out to dinner. Uh, yep, right? 100%. Yeah. Well, I remember we ran into you at uh, – I think it was Mastro's in Newport Beach last season. He was taking you guys out, and all of a sudden the uh, waitress comes over with, like, a bunch of shots of, of uh, fireball. And I'm like, what is this? And all of a sudden, Heatley in the in the. Do you remember this? In the middle of the restaurant, stands up. He goes, "You fucking drink that, Russo." And I look, and it's Danny Heatley with the. No freaking, surprise there. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was like Danny Heatley in the freaking lounge of the he, Mastros. And he just texted me the other day. There yeah. was a song on his radio that Pepper song called "F Around." Yeah. I guess you can say it, can't you? Yeah, yeah. You can say "fuck around." Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, he used to listen to that in the locker room all the time, and I guess it came on his radio, and he texted me. I'm like, dude, I haven't talked to you forever. What's up? So Yeah, he, uh, he, he's, uh, he's a beauty. I still, you know, he's sort of disappeared, uh, and now he's, he's in Manhattan Beach. He looks in great shape. He's got kids. He plays, plays tennis, tennis every yeah. day. Um, and uh, every time I'm there, every season, he could attest to it. I'll do it again when we're there in March. I always send him a text like, you know, when you're ready to sit down, like, like I'd love to do a where is Danny Heatley now because it's just amazing that you could have a career like that, score as many goals as he did, and then you just get no fanfare when you leave. And I'd love to kind of catch people up on what he's doing. But he's like, I'm not ready. I'm enjoying private life yeah. all that love stuff. Love them, so man. He is, he is one of the best. A um, couple more on the free version, and then we'll just do, a, you know, five or six more questions on the uh, abbreviated – on the uh, on the fuller version, um, how good would players of the past be using today's modern day sticks and how much a difference are they for elite uh, players? It's a good question that people always ask. Well, it's definitely an advantage or guys would still be using wood sticks. I mean, it's the way these are made now. Like you, you honestly, you feel sorry for the goalies because yeah. they're getting less and less equipment taken away. They're always trying to shrink them down, but these players are getting bigger and bigger and shooting the pucks harder and harder. 
than you ever had. So it's an advantage for the players. And I think that I'm sure the older guys wishes they would have had these sticks when they played the same way as they wish they would have had the contracts these guys have now. But that's just <laughs> what we live in. <laughs> yep, that is, that is life. Um, Mr. V asked, do you wrap skate laces around the ankle? If so, how high up, how tight? Uh, what is the preferred lace? Uh, he's trying to help his five-year-old and, and my beer league self. Yeah, I well, if you <laughs> – depend. No, uh, the short answer there is no. Nobody, nobody really wraps mm-hmm. that I've seen. I think the last time I saw somebody wrap their laces around the skates was um, one of the ice crew. I think skating by us <laughs> at home, one of the ice girls. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I would say no, and I would, I would definitely, if your kid's five, learn how to skate. My advice would be to not do that so that her ankles get stronger, his ankles get stronger. Interesting. Our um, players, what they do is they use tape. Okay. You will see clear poly tape. Yeah. Or the plastic tape and you know whatever color, and uh, you do see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian asks, uh, how many guys are actual off-the-shelf patterns, and how are how uh, how many are custom? That's a tough question. I, I, years ago it was a lot more. Now everybody has something because Bauer offers you so many different versions how you can order your sticks. So it might mm-hmm. be the old they used to call it our Sackic pattern. Right. You might have a bunch Drury, of Kovalev, Drury, Stahl is what he's saying. Yep. But now it's so custom. Even hockey pants now we order for guys. They have their name in them because they might be one small adjustment. Yep. Every I noticed glove. that with Zucker the other day. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's where it makes it tough for us. Like it's used to be able, we don't carry as much stock anymore because everybody's custom. So you just have to have something. If we make a trade to get him through the two weeks until his custom stuff comes in. Exactly. Um, a couple more then I, I do want to ask uh, tricky and, and, um, and Tony about uh, just also what their average day, game day is and a practice day and things like that. Um, by the way, how many, how many sticks do you order for players? Like, like how many would you bring on a road trip? Uh, how many do you order in a season? Well, for what they bring on road trips are we usually three taped ones, and if we're on a four-game road trip, we'll throw four new ones in the bag. Mm-hmm. So basically my rule of thumb is one per game mm-hmm. if you need it. And I'm probably ordering 100 sticks per guy. That's kind of what I budget. And I'm pretty much usually bang on because you might have a guy who uses one every two games. Another guy uses a little bit more frequent. So that's on average probably 100, 100 sticks a guy. Right. Uh, you, you, uh, Chris asks, uh, can you explain how Fiala tapes his stick? Uh, you, you mentioned that already, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. It's, 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 if you ever asked us to tape it for him, we'd be screwed because yeah. it's crazy. Um, here's a question that became evident uh, when Tucker Tynan was cut uh, on his leg, but with the amount of time goalies spend down, why is there no pads there? Didn't um, uh, Alex Daylock in San Jose have one of those? Uh, he did. He almost, yeah. almost ended him. Yeah, yeah, he was out for a long time. I wouldn't. Does I, Alex I, now I, wear Kevlar socks? He on? does, yes. Okay. Yeah, and a lot. Was, was that in, in Worcester? It was in the minors. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. But yep. yeah, they, I wasn't there for that either. But they uh, definitely wear. He wears the Kevlar socks now, and he's a believer in them because yeah. they they do they would help. They're not cut proof. They're cut, you know, resistant. Right. It's not 100. percent You're not going to get no. cut, but it might take one of the layers of the, the skate blades actually going through. Yeah. When you have a 240 pound guy step on you, it's cutting through anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's do this. Let's add the and uh, the free version of the uh, the podcast. And if you want to subscribe to the Athletic, theAthletic.com slash Straight from the Source. I've already kept uh, Rick and Tony way longer than I promised. Forty percent off. Remember, yep. guys. Forty percent off. And you yes, guys don't forget. Uh, please rate and subscribe to Straight from the Source on Apple. And if you click the show URL, which is the Athletic.com slash Straight from the Source. That's forty percent off. Yep, forty percent off. <laughs> How much? Subscription <laughs> to the Athletic, <laughs> and you'll get to hear an you almost passed out there, Russo podcast. With, uh, with myself and Rick Ronwell and, and uh, Tony DaCosta, only at theathletic.com. A lot of great questions still to go, and I also want to ask about your, uh, your, your average day. Thanks for joining, guys.